0: I think recovery is kind of like affordable healthcare because everyone should have access to it, but the reality is, not everyone can. Hello, friends. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Pickles and Vodka, the mental health podcast where imperfect people laugh a lot. Nervously. And somewhere in between that, maybe have some imperfect conversations. (laughs) Yes, we do. I'm Christina. And I'm Lauren. And if you can't tell by my voice, I'm getting over like a flu. (laughs) Yeah, I've been really sick all week. Um, I called out Wednesday because I had like Mm -hmm. a fever and I couldn't breathe. Um, I have asthma in addition to, you know, all the other right. things that I have. Uh, <laughs> along with everything else wrong. <laughs> along with everything else. But yeah, so when I get sick, not only does it suck in a general way that getting sick always does, but I also can't breathe. Right. Uh, but it I'm still... Just, so...
1: just exacerbates the normal things that make it hard to but breathe. But this
0: is how fucked up I am. I <laughs> have not quit vaping despite not being able to breathe. It's 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 embarrassing to say on on air but it's the truth. Uh,
1: yeah, I mean I I couldn't criticize you because I've been the same way. I at least like try to less. <laughs> yeah. You, yeah. Yeah, harm reduction
0: baby. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, while I was sick, I've been taking a ton of meds, just like, mm-hmm. that's the only way I've been able to function this week, like, going to work is just taking yeah. a bunch of meds and making sure I stagger them throughout the day so I'm not incompetent, but I'm not, like, right. struggling, <laughs> and then caffeine has been helping, too, but <clears throat> I, real, I had kind of a hot take that, like, uh-huh. <laughs> all the things that we use to make ourselves feel better when we're sick. They're not really healing us. All they're doing is like making us feel functional enough to forget that we're sick so we can go yeah, feed the capitalist machine.
1: Oh. <laughs> yeah, because they're, they're just covering shit up for a bit.
0: <laughs> All they care about is that you're able to go to work and do your fucking job. They don't really care about you as a person. That is 100%
1: what DayQuil is. Like, oh, it yeah. It doesn't treat anything. It's just kind of like... Here, (laughs) we'll cover up what's wrong for a couple hours until you need to, you know, slam another dose.
0: (laughs) But yeah, um, I'm feeling better today than I have been all week, so I am ready to do this. How are you feeling?
1: I'm pretty good.
0: (laughs) Anything juicy happened to you this week? How's your mental health?
1: Oh, well, that's in the toilet. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Like in a general way (laughs) or like a spicy way? Well,
1: let me start out with, ai don't know, a positive? Hell yeah. (laughs) Maybe maybe just something that was... Wait, wait, wait.
0: Lauren has a positive? What?
1: (laughs) Well, at least something that was uh, kind of fun slash funny. I'm here for (laughs) it. Just that I have uh, been not really so much on the uh, weed train lately. We know that I partake sometimes and, you know, sometimes just don't, but... I made sure to last night because I realized that officially December 8th was a month after um, Missouri voted marijuana legal.
0: Yes, we talked about that.
1: And yeah, and that's what they said is, you know, like the month after, that is when it actually goes into effect.
0: Ooh. So
1: so I knew last night that while I was smoking in my apartment, it was not illegal in any way.
0: For some reason... (laughs) I thought you were leading up to announcing that you were quitting weed. Oh, God, no. (laughs) I was like, well, this is the recovery episode, I guess. But this is not quite the note that I hope to start on. No, you know what? Listen, if you decide to quit anything because you feel like it would make your life better, do it. Who cares? Yeah. Like what it is or what other people's relationships to it are. Uh, If it's fucking up your life, even in the smallest of ways, you probably know it. And you probably know in your gut that you should stop. I'm not talking about myself or anything.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, absolutely. And that is that is why like, I'm not that's nothing on my radar right now. Because like I said, I hadn't really been feeling it. I hadn't had any like over a week, probably. I have no reason to think like it's impeding my life. It's just something
0: I do sometimes. Exactly. And I love that. Like, thank God weed has not been one of those (laughs) drugs for me that I've become addicted to. Like, I feel like Mm -hmm. it is the only drug that I can use therapeutically. Yeah. (laughs) So before we get into today's topic, which is, of course, recovery, uh, I have a few housekeeping things to talk about, and I have a surprise for you. Oh, boy. (laughs) So um, first of all, this episode is the last poll episode of 2022.
1: Indeed, it is.
0: Yeah. So next week it'll be a topic of my choosing, and then Lauren, what happens the week after that?
1: <laughs> then the great debut of the Lauren Christina episode in person together. <laughs> <laughs> the title
0: is a work in progress. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: that's 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 a
0: title so far. Oh fuck! I forgot to bring my inhaler in here. I shouldn't oh. have to use it, but sometimes, like, I've been telling people at work all week, "Don't make me laugh, or I'm gonna have an asthma attack." Mm -hmm. um but yeah we are going to be meeting in person like two weeks from now Mm
2: -hmm. and i'm Mm -hmm. so
0: fucking excited we have a lot of fun things in store but yeah the week after that the like the first week of the new year we are actually not going to be releasing an episode because we're taking a vacation
1: yeah give us a damn break
0: (laughs) give us a damn break well me to me give me a damn break (laughs) yeah um we're not going to be doing an episode then but there will be more polls coming out like the second week of january yeah,
1: and honestly, I was thinking of it. I was pretty impressed that we haven't missed a week, have we? Nope. And I mean, we've gone on vacation. I've had my mom come. And you went to and the psych ward? Yeah, <laughs> We still did not miss a week.
0: I am pretty impressed with us. That was the test, Lauren, to see whether you would be a good co host. If you can yeah. go to the psych ward and still not miss an episode, she still doesn't miss an episode. <laughs> then she's golden. I released a few episodes when I was in treatment. The bulimia diaries I released in treatment. And that's like the most listened to episode. Mm -hmm.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Oh, my God. But yeah. Okay. So surprise for you. You know, Orion. Yes. Um, He is a loyal listener on Instagram at robot a kiss. He sent us a Christmas card (gasps) in the mail. (gasps) So I'm going to read you the card and then I'm going to tell you about like something he sent. But then there's more that I'm not going to tell you about that I'm going to show you in person. Oh, so I am, okay. na- I am describing part of his package. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the card says, Sending peace and empowerment this cold, cold month. Stay warm <laughs> and stay strong. And then below that, he wrote, There is no loss greater than your peace of mind. There is no greater gift than your courage to grow. Look uh-huh. for the light. The truth is rarely as dark as we fear. Isn't that sweet? Yes! Okay, and then, okay, for this next thing, I'm not going to describe it. I'm going to send you a picture of it, and I'm going to have you describe it. (laughs) Oh, boy. This is the second time that Orion has sent fan art. He sent a few prints um, last year, including the pickles and vodka print. I have shared. I was
1: gonna say did, did he send the one yeah that I've seen before yep That's it's a jar I, of pickles
0: and a, a shot of vodka and it says imperfect and okay okay they yes. should be popping up any second now
1: come on work for me 5g
0: <laughs> I did drink a glass of water but I'm canceling out with a monster now
1: uh yeah I was gonna say I am hydrating with a
0: bang <laughs> hell yeah what flavor purple haze Ew, I hate that one
1: it's one of my favorites, but probably third on my favorite list, and I can't seem to find Froze Rose anymore, which is one of my all-time favorites. Froze rose? Whatever. <laughs> I didn't think it had little I didn't think it had little flourishes.
0: It says delivered. Yes. Ah <laughs> What are, what are you looking uh,
2: at?
1: <laughs> and- it looks like first the, the tiny thing, it almost looked like a keychain. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's like a little cardboard pickle with a little tag hanging off it that I'm not sure I can quite read. It says
0: so, the it pickle says, of inner peace. Oh! <laughs> and then on the other side it says happy holidays and it has a pentagram star.
1: And it also, oh, yep, I get the second one. And it also looks like um the pickle ornament. It's which- an
0: ornament!
1: Yes, because I have one on my tree. You do? Yes. And because there's, I don't know, they're, they're a thing. And whoever got it for me, I, I know who got it for me, but I don't want to talk about him. Uh, uh, oh, okay. Ex- okay. Explain that it, it dropped was,
0: down from the heavens. Yes.
1: Yeah. Ex- explained. I know that it was, I don't even know, Germany. Somewhere it's its like a tradition to hang a pickle on your tree. So it's you know a traditional I have heard yes. that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I think the Victorians did something like that.
1: Yeah. So that was why I got it. With no knowledge that this pickle ornament would have dual meaning for me later. <laughs> and I love it.
0: I just got the chills. But yeah, Orion, <laughs> I can't describe like how much I love this pickle of inner peace ornament. It's taking every bit of self-control I have not to tell Lauren about the other stuff you sent. Ah,
1: but I'm so excited I'm going to have two pickle ornaments. <laughs> yeah.
0: Wait, I I'd have to keep one of them. No, because I are because I already have one. I know, but you're just assuming that you're going to keep this other pickle ornament.
1: Oh, I thought there were two of them.
0: Oh no, there's, there's just one. one. There's only okay, one. Well, then, we got to fight then, over it. The,
1: no, cuz I already have one. Well, so maybe we yours. can every <laughs> other
0: year we can like we can share custody. <laughs> or someone else can make us another pickle ornament. <gasps> oh man, next year we should have a contest. <laughs> yes. Make us the best pickle ornament. The DIY ornament contest. Oh, <laughs> uh, that would be sick. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much, Orion. Um, I'm ready to get into the topic now. Okay. Um, (laughs) And my voice is really, I want to save it as much as possible. So can you read the original question? Okay,
1: so this, uh, this pickleball is, how is recovery defined? Who gets to define it? And is it possible for everyone?
0: Yeah, we have talked about our stances on recovery a lot. Over Mm -hmm. the the months that you've been co-hosting. But we wanted to hear from you guys. Because recovery is kind of... It's a weird thing in the mental health world. Yeah, clearly from even what we've
1: had to say about it in the past. It's just, it's... I don't know. It's this amorphous kind of, I don't know what.
0: (laughs) When I was sick, like when I first started this podcast, Mm -hmm. I kind of hated the word recovery. Understandable. I have at times. And I still feel like... It is used so often and so broadly that sometimes I see it and I just kind of roll my eyes.
1: Yeah, I I, I kind of hate the phrase in recovery a lot of times. Mm. But yeah, it's, it's the same sort of thing. It's like getting through such and such in recovery. That's what the one that always makes me like. Oh. Well,
0: <laughs> should we just summarize our views in a nutshell?
1: Okay. Uh, do you want me to go first?
0: Yeah, if- how do you define recovery? And who defined it for you? And do you think it's possible for everyone?
1: Maybe I will go backwards, because I know my, my main thoughts on it is I have always, well, maybe not always, but I've come to the <laughs> conclusion that I think that 100% recovery is possible. I know there's different camps where people don't believe that and people do. And I believe it is possible, but not for everyone. Yeah, that's my, that's my kind of in between. And as for what it is yeah there is kind of like a soft line between I feel like being in recovery versus being recovered but you know not to take the cliche comparison but I do compare the the mental health version of recovery to like having cancer and at some point that you know they consider you in remission but I have had friends that have had you know some sort of cancer and they have you know like two year scans, five year scans, 10 year scans. And at a certain point, you know, if nothing has shown up, they just say, we consider you cancer free.
0: But I can imagine there's always that fear of it coming back.
1: Yes. But I would say almost at that point, it seems like unless it's the exact same kind, that's that's a different thing. I'm sorry you have such rotten luck.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Do you feel like it's similar in mental health? Let's use a more specific example, eating disorders, since that applies to you.
1: I I would feel, yeah, like if it's very new, you know, like where you're not engaging in behaviors, that's, I can't call that full recovery because I do feel like that's also still like the golden time where you're like, oh, I'm free. Life is beautiful. The not cloud. Yeah, I haven't had to like go through any hard times where I'm like, fuck, I want all this back. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I think it's always going to be in your brain, at least for me. Yeah. But at the same time,
1: I, yeah, I believe that for me. That's why I don't believe 100% recovery in that situation is possible for me. But I do know people that I think that, yeah, I I don't think that it is even a blip on their radar and I seriously doubt it ever will be again.
0: Yeah. Uh, It's different for everyone, I think. And for Mm -hmm. you, like, it sounds like you have defined that definition just by living. Yeah. You know? For me, recovery is kind of, I I see it as a way of life and not a goal to reach. And I guess the way that I got there was just realizing that as long as my definition of recovery was uh, defined by someone else, like as long as I was using someone else's definition of recovery, I was never Mm -hmm. going to get there. And I would always feel like I'm not good enough. And so it was only when I started looking at my life and thinking like, what is recovery to me? Is it mm-hmm. never binging and purging again? Is it never taking another drink? Is it, you know, going free from all drugs? Like I had to yeah. <laughs> I had to really think about that. and it's still something we kind of talked about it with weed. Uh, it changes over the years, like one year, I might be fine smoking weed and there might become a year where it all of a sudden triggers anxiety attacks or something and I have to stop. or maybe mm-hmm. I feel like I'm not able to function without it. Like, I know, like, when something crosses, crosses that threshold.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I figured, like, this probably will come up, but I know that's something for me that I respect the the 12-step idea of, you know, like, what it is for them, but I don't agree.
0: Yeah, I also kind of agree. I don't think anyone can be completely recovered. Well, I don't know. I obviously have not really made up my mind about this yet. <laughs> <laughs> right. I think some people can be recovered if their definition of recovery is is attainable. You know, it's different for everybody. But for me, I don't know. A Mental illness is something that I'm never going to recover from. Like, it's a part of me. But I think I can recover from some of the toxic thoughts and behaviors that mm-hmm. the mental illness has brought on or that I've developed to deal with the mental illness. Rather In anticipation of
1: this, I looked up because I feel like in my early 20s, I was, as I've talked about, I was diagnosed as borderline. I felt like it fit. I have not felt for years and years and years like that even fits me at all. And everything I looked up is like, no, you cannot recover from borderline. And I'm like, well, I believe I have, so
2: shut
0: up. Yeah, I mean, that's super interesting, because borderline, I think, is something that you're born with. I mean, would you agree? Um, Or no? Or no?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure if it's considered born with, it's usually considered something that develops, they say, in like adolescence to, yeah, early adulthood. Okay. So it is, it is something, yeah, that maybe is a bit of a nature and nurture sort of thing. So maybe not the best <laughs> example.
0: But like depression, for instance. You're yeah. both fucking depressed. Like I've been diagnosed by multiple doctors and it's always gonna be a part of me. Maybe I can get it yeah. under control with meds or whatever, but mm-hmm. I, I don't think I can recover from depression.
1: Yeah that's that was when I had a hard time being like, I don't know if that's a hundred percent recovery for anyone on that one actually. <laughs>
0: So I would still consider myself in recovery, I guess, in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about you?
1: Uh, well, <laughs> I kind of wanted to start
0: the episode by being like, hi, I'm Christina. I'm in recovery. And you're like, hi, I'm Lauren. I'm not in recovery.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, especially after this past week or so, I felt like, yeah, no. <laughs> Although I think that's another thing. Um, I would love to talk about, I know it comes up a lot, uh, lapse versus
0: relapse. Oh my God. We'll talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's get to some listener comments. Okay. Again, the question was how is recovery defined? Who gets to define it? And is it possible for everyone? I'll read the first one. So this is from Christine. Uh, do you remember mm-hmm. I said that I knew Christine in high school?
1: Oh, okay. I, well, yeah. I mean, the, the it's name a different, kind of, yeah. <laughs> it's a different
0: Christine. I was wrong. They, oh, they, sh- okay. <laughs> they share the same name. Uh-huh. And the re- I'll read her comment and you'll see. Um, okay, so Christine says. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <I saw. laughs> okay. Anyway. So Christine says whatever mental health struggle or addiction, I believe possible remission, but full recovery it has not happened for me yet, and I have been fighting for over forty years. And that's when I knew she was not the same yeah. Christine that I went to high school with. <laughs> right. Oops. Right. <laughs> But yeah, she talks about possible remission, which I thought it was interesting. She used that word because we were literally just talking about that. Mm -hmm. Um, Full recovery. It sounds like she's been fighting for a long time now and it still hasn't happened, which sucks. Because I know what that's like. You definitely know what that's like. It, yeah. It's just, it becomes a way of life. And after a certain point, you start losing hope in the concept of recovery.
1: Absolutely. And I think that is why, I mean, what I was just talking about, that I do not like people that are like, you know, 100% recovery is possible for anybody. And that's where I feel like, I don't think so. Like, Three quarters of my life, I've been ruled by these thoughts. And at the same time, not to like throw any shade on her, but I do kind of, you know, she makes the comment, like, I've been fighting for over 40 years. So there I agree, like, yeah, that's where I agree with you. Like, unfortunately, it's probably not possible for you either. And I understand why you feel that way. But I don't like respond to it when people take the anecdote equals
0: fact approach. Can you elaborate on that? Um, yeah, it's, it's like where people
1: are just using their own personal experience to say, like, this can't be possible because it's not possible for me. Gotcha. That's where, again, I say, like, you're right. I can see that it may not be possible for you, but... Someone else is totally different.
0: (laughs) I mean, yeah, you're not out here being like, no one can recover because I don't feel like I can recover, you know?
1: (laughs) But yeah, for similar reasons, I feel like it's not possible for me. So I totally get that.
0: (laughs) I I kind of thought of an analogy. So I think recovery is kind of like affordable health care.
1: Oh, that's fantastic. Because
0: everyone should have access to it. But the reality is not everyone can. And If you are one of those people that you just don't have access to that for whatever reason, it's really easy to get bitter and angry.
1: A lot of things, you know, there's really like high level treatment. Again, if you can afford it, you know, like, yes, eating disorders is one. I'd say addiction is also a big one. I mean, really sad, but you think like, A lot of homeless people are addicts. How are they supposed to have a fighting chance?
0: Whenever we talk about recovery, we have to realize that it is a luxury for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Some people are the way they are because it's the way they've coped with a set of shitty cards. And it's the difference between life or death. Like someone might be drinking every day and that's what's keeping them from, I don't know, doing something worse. Or just not feeling the pain. Maybe the only reason yeah. they're doing it is just to not feel the pain, and I don't blame them. I've been there.
1: And again, like if, if you're homeless because, you know, you were an alcoholic and you just ended up losing everything, then no one's going to come around and like scoop a homeless person off the street and be like, let's get you in a 28 day program.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. You just, yeah, you
1: just have to do what you can to survive at that point.
0: And there's just such a devastating lack of resources for people mm-hmm. who who do want to recover. So, I mean most most of my life I would look at the people who were recovered and I would be like, I don't think I can yeah. do that. Like that's that doesn't apply to me. So, yeah, that's a good disclaimer to make is that recovery is kind of a luxury for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, at least that's one way to define it. Can yeah. you read the next comment? It's pretty long, and I want to save my voice. I, I figured that's why we were
1: going in this order. <laughs> Their name uh, is Janaius? pronounced Janai. I, re- I remembered, yeah, here yeah. before. Okay. Um, I define recovery the same way the... Is that supposed to be Bible?
0: The old Bibble. The
1: old Bible. okay. <laughs> recovery the same way the old bibble defines perfection. It's not a state of being actually perfect, but a conscious effort to be better than you were the day before. Doing better while not having to be the best. Whether you're still engaging in behaviors as you exercise harm reduction, baby, <laughs> or you're physically beyond those behaviors while still combating some negative thoughts, taking strides towards your recovery is you being in recovery. It's not to invalidate those who feel their own definition of reco- recovery requires complete absence of thoughts and behaviors, but that is simply not what it's going to be for many people. Yes. Yeah. I feel most addictions are hard enough to overcome without adding the need to be absolutely flawless before being able to claim success. Everyone can slip up or have the urge to do so. And the most important thing I see so many forgetting is that those moments of 100% are not indicative of failure. Failure isn't actually failing but choosing to give a moment's failing momentum enough to cease all efforts toward
0: growth. Wow. I agree with a lot of that. If Me not all too. Of it.
1: Yeah, that really summed up a lot of things that we have already said or I want to talk about. Also, just want to throw out there because I heard a recent episode where we had mentioned changing our tagline and since it's already come up twice, I feel like we should just be harm reduction, baby. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh, that could be a, a ta- um, what is it? A sting? <laughs> like, like- <laughs> yes.
1: Okay. Oh, I love it. But yeah, it, it got into some of the things that I feel like I've already said, like, yeah, maybe, you know, the 12-step thing isn't the way it is defined for everyone.
0: I really like how they mentioned that they don't want to invalidate people who feel like their own definition of recovery requires complete absence of thoughts and behaviors. So like, right. I, if I meet someone who does, who is like straight edge, and doesn't mm-hmm. do any drugs. I'm not going to think that I'm less recovered or in recovery than them. Because I still use some substances to cope. In my head, it's all like one big recovery party and everyone's invited. And it doesn't matter <laughs> like what you're yeah. doing to be in recovery. I just am so happy whenever I see someone like trying a little bit better than the day before. Yeah,
1: People ha- have different ways of defining recovery. And if you have a certain way... Don't be like gatekeeping about the idea of recovery.
0: Stole the words right out of my mouth.
1: Because I, I would hate for somebody to be really discouraged because they're like, oh, it has to mean, yeah, 100% abstinence from whatever behavior and never slip up or else, you know, like I'm right back in it. That's so discouraging. I will never recover.
0: Going along with that comment, my mom says, yes, she thinks recovery is possible. But there isn't a one size fits all template.
1: I love that. It was it was so simple. And I was like, yep
0: yeah also <laughs> good, good to see uh, ginger Lou commenting again mm-hmm. i was worried i scared her off a few times I know. um I, I really love that you know a lot of people do recognize that it's a, not a one-size-fits-all template mm-hmm. especially her like i really loved hearing that from her because for her the way she grew up she did have a very like traditional sense of what recovery was like I know she talked about it ages and ages ago on the podcast but when she was getting sober like she did go to meetings and she Mm -hmm. spent time in rehab and it was very cut and dry like 28 days you know and then you're you're good but I think just like having a bunch of kids with mental issues and (laughs) has really I I think nowadays her definition of recovery is different like she does recognize it It is not a one-size-fits-all template I think she's just happy to see us trying to be better and being happy ourselves.
1: It it sounded from what you said, you know, like she has a very specific definition of it for herself, but yeah, it's, it's good. Even though you hold that for yourself that you recognize other people have their own.
0: Exactly. No gatekeeping. Yes. (laughs) Um, Why don't you read the last comment? Then we can get into some voicemails.
1: Okay. So this last one is Rachel Lynn Taylor who says, I don't think 100% recovery is possible for everyone. Statistically, it's not possible, but to learn how to function with and thrive towards recovery is always possible. Woo. I, that's my favorite one, because I am such a logical and like math based person, which is like, statistically, it's not possible. Like that is correct. <laughs> it cannot be for everyone.
0: <laughs> that's the truth. I mean, the very first episode that you did as a co host, we were kind of talking about this. And you said straight out, like, it's not possible for everybody. Like, we would like mm-hmm. that to be the case. Mm-hmm. We would love mm-hmm. it if everyone recovered. But we both realize it is not realistic for everyone at least if you define recovery as more black and white terms you know yeah like what if your definition of recovery needs to change
1: if we consider you know like every single person on this earth is individual then how can you have this one broad
0: definition of this is recovery you can't (laughs) and i think that's the point that everyone is collectively arriving at (laughs) okay so thank you everyone who commented we love you. Thank you for just confirming what we already knew. I feel like that's what they all were. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. I love it when we all just agree. Right. When everyone has the same opinion.
1: <laughs> when everyone thinks like I do, that's
0: great. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to some voicemails now. Which one do you want to do first? Well,
1: I have Shannon's
2: pulled okay, up.
0: Okay, okay. So this is from Shannon, a.k.a. Discreet Werewolf.
2: Ooh. Uh, I was going to type this out, but it's too early in the morning and I just can't. Pertaining to recovery, um, specifically (laughs) anorexia recovery, because that's what I could speak on. I think this may be an unpopular opinion, but it's kind of like a complete separation from the entity that I once was and the entity that I am now. It's the best way I can describe it. And you form habits when you're sick that you don't, Realize become habits. So if I ever catch myself just unconsciously doing something that I used to do, I'll genuinely be disgusted by it and I'll be like, Ugh, "I'm not that thing anymore." And that's sort of how it goes for me. Anyway, that might not be a very nice thing to say, but that's how I feel about it. So that's about all I got. Thanks. Thank you, Shannon.
1: Yes. <laughs>
0: um. What do you think about that?
1: Um. That actually goes along with. What I already said, I feel like as far as me and borderline, because that's what I think she said, I'm not that thing anymore. And I know Mm -hmm. that's something I've often said as far as BPD is I'm like, I'm not that person anymore.
0: Yeah. I think sometimes you need to separate yourself from your past self just to survive. Personally, I don't use that approach. I feel like I will always have those parts of me in myself and that if I ignore them or step away from them too much I'll get too proud (laughs) like I feel like I have to remind myself who I used to be or I'll just get too cocky Uh, and that's part of my recovery but that's very you know that's me
1: yeah and it's interesting is I agree with you as far as like the eating disorder for me so it's it's like recovery for everything is different to me (laughs) and I have different views on it and what is possible it
0: Yeah, Yeah, it's it's, really interesting. Oh my God, I feel exactly the same way. And that's why it's so hard for me to say that I'm in recovery because like when I got sober from alcohol, it was Mm -hmm. very obvious. Like one day I wasn't in recovery and the next day I was. I stopped drinking and I haven't had a drink since. I don't fucking know how, Lauren. I really (laughs) don't. It's not my style to just stop something cold turkey. It usually does take a bunch of quote unquote, relapses, which we'll we'll talk about that word later. Mm-hmm. Um And so when I started my bulimia recovery, which I consider started when I went to treatment, I did relapse a bunch of times and like even up to less than a year ago. So it's harder for me to say I'm in recovery from bulimia because I, I wasn't able to just stop it cold turkey like the alcohol. And so yeah, when you say you have different definitions of recovery for different things, I can absolutely relate to that.
1: Something you made me think of when you're talking about that, and this could be why I don't feel that way about the eating disorder is I feel like as far as like a recovery or stopping a behavior, for me, I've noticed I have to have the right reason. And yeah. I, don't think I don't think I've found the one with the eating disorder that resonates with me. But um I had tried multiple times to stop smoking cigarettes, you know, and, and I would stop for a while and I would tell myself things, you know, like, I know it's healthier and I should stop. I know it's making me look older and I don't like that and I should stop. And the funniest thing to me is, so the, the day I quit was um, Easter of 2018 or the day before Easter. I would went into an urgent care clinic because sometimes I have to like get my ears flushed out. Oh. Because they just get gross and I can't hear.
0: <laughs> that has to do with what we were talking about right before we started recording. <laughs> I'm yes. having gross ear problems today too.
1: Yes. But you, usually when they get like so clogged up that I just can't hear, then yes, I have to, you know, once every couple of years, then yeah, I have to go. Nothing get them.
0: shameful about that. And I had
1: decided before then that, you know, I really felt like positive, like I think that I'm going to quit smoking this time. So I had quit the day before. And when I come in, they ask you all the questions, you know, they're like, oh, you know, like, are you a smoker? And I was like, well, actually, I just quit. And I was, and she's like, when? And I was like, well, yesterday. She's like, I'll, I'll write down trying to quit. And as soon as she said that, I was like, Fuck that. I quit. For real.
0: Oh my god. <laughs> yes. Actually, I kind of want someone to do that to me now. So. so, yeah.
1: I feel like it was like pure stubbornness that was the the final like nail in the coffin to me going back to smoking.
0: That's amazing. I love that story. Yeah. I think actually, I mm-hmm. just remembered. What, I think that the reason it was so easy for me to like quit alcohol, it was relatively easy anyway is that I mm. knew that I would kill myself if I didn't. Like, yeah. <laughs> nothing else has made me feel quite as suicidal as drinking every day does. And I just mm-hmm. never want to feel like that again. It was really shitty. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's a very valid reason.
0: <laughs> um, okay, next voicemail is from Alyssa at underscore flesh underscore daddy underscore. I always forget to say the last underscore. All
1: right, I'm ready when you
0: are. All right.
3: Recovery really kind of varies from person to person. So I can only say what I personally think recovery means and what it means to me. Recovery is working towards stability. It's working towards um, a healthful living, truthful living, being honest with myself, uh, things like that. That's really what recovery comes down to. I come from a long family of addicts a long line of addicts. I mean, it runs through my family pretty deeply and so does mental illness, uh, which as we know, kind of go hand in hand a lot of the time. So a lot of the time, my family would, you know, do things like drugs, like heroin, or uh, turn to alcoholism as a way to not address deeper problems within themselves and and, and deeper traumas. So the biggest thing for me, um, recovering from my eating disorder is being honest with myself um, not trying to fake it out or make excuses for who i am what i've gone through and how to rectify it It, it's about responsibility and taking responsibility for myself and taking action toward helping myself and not being or not trying to be self-destructive as an outlet and recovery is constant it is a lifelong journey For a lot of people, I have family members who were alcoholics and uh, they never refer to themselves as an ex-alcoholic. They always refer to themselves as a recovering alcoholic or a recovering addict. Uh, Just because the notion that you just stop being an alcoholic one day without a chance of relapse is just not a realistic manner to look at things. And it also sets you up for failure. Because what if you do relapse? You have to find the room within yourself to forgive yourself for those slip-ups in order to forgive yourself, you know, or, or that ability to forgive yourself will make getting yourself back on track a little bit easier, which still boils down to that, that essence of being honest with yourself. I've never been an addict, so I can't actually be a very good authority on that, but I am recovering from ednos um, which is eating disorders not otherwise specified. I think it's called OSFED now, but um, uh, which is essentially like atypical anorexia would be another way to describe it, where I, I do it all. <laughs> I restricted, I binged, I, I purged. My big thing was exercise purging and laxative abuse. So, <laughs> so I, I think that for me, recovery looks like me actively looking within myself and thinking of all the trauma and and actively trying to address the trauma and cope with it in healthy manner so that I, I don't relapse. Because relapsing is a very real thing. I've, I've done it. I've done it quite a few times now. And I, I get so frustrated with myself because I, I'm like, great. And then for some reason, I look at myself and I'm like, upset with what I see. And I get uncomfortable in my body because it's a little bit bigger than I'm used to. And it, it, it's, that room to forgive myself just gets smaller and smaller until I relapse. I think a lot of mine stems from the fact that I try to become my inner child instead of trying to protect my inner child, if that makes sense. I'm not sure if it will, but, uh, I want to regress. I want to become small. I want to feel protected by others, like in a way that they, that hadn't happened before. And in, instead, what I should be doing is finding ways to cope with the trauma and protect my inner child in more healthy ways. I think what's what's really kind of keeping me going this time is something that I hadn't realized about myself until my eating disorder took it away from me and that was my personality. <laughs> um, my, my sense of humor, I, I kind of pride myself on my ability to like make people laugh. I, I pride myself on my intelligence. I worked really hard academically. I worked really hard to learn and grow as a person. My compassion, my energy, my overall personality was just gone in an instant. You know, I, I was replaced with brain fog and irritation and frustration. And I wasn't funny anymore, and I wasn't fun to be around. I was just irritated all the time and tired and cold. And I think that having my personality back, something that I pride myself so much on, really helps. You know, that was all I had when I was a kid. Uh, My sister was the pretty one. My sister got a lot of opportunities and privileges and and attention that I didn't get. And I think it gave me a bit of a complex, which is something that another thing about recovery is being more self-aware and kind of realizing what your triggers are. And a big one for me is my family. I was always like the redheaded stepchild where I was dependable and steadfast and I was the quote unquote smart one and I was obedient and I was respectful. You know, I was loyal to a fault and it was something that was my downfall essentially. My sister pretty much was like full on scorched earth, you know, just got her way so often and was just always like blatantly favored by everyone because she was pretty, um, even though my sister wasn't very nice. And I think it gave me a complex to which I'm not a value if I'm not pretty. <laughs> I'm not a value if I don't have a good enough body, this, this, and that. I put so much emphasis on my outer appearance that I, I, I killed my own personality, something that I took a long time to develop while my sister was getting all the attention and I tried to find other ways to compete. You know, I recognize that I'm, I'm not the prettiest person in the room. You know, I recognize that I'm not, I'm pretty average, you know, if not a little homely, but it's the fact that my inner child deserved so much more love than she got. And it set me back so deeply. And being able to recognize that trauma really, really, really is, is a big reason why i'm you know recovering now is being able to recognize those triggers and that trauma and make peace with it and try to move that way because we learn there's a book about the aztec calendar i can't remember it off the top of my head in which the i believe he's an anthropologist disproves that time is cyclical he essentially says that time is linear which benefits people socially and politically and what he means by that is that Instead of time moving in a circle in which things will always go back and revert to the way they were, we move forward. And by doing this, we're able to move on instead of move around. (laughs) The time is in the past, we must move forward and we will always be moving forward. The book is called Time, History and Belief. Uh, of Aztec and colonial Mexico, and it is by Ross Hasek. It's a very, very good book, and I highly recommend it for people who are into non-fiction, historical books, but also it goes very deeply into how the Aztec calendar did not, they did not believe that time was cyclical, but that the circle was just to commemorate and to signify rituals and agriculture. I know I'm rambling, but it all kind of reverts back to history in that way that history is about finding the why and the what when it comes to domino effects. History is one vast domino effect that either advances or regresses a society. And within our own lives, we have those little domino effects. And sometimes we have to figure out what was the first domino to drop. And by recognizing that, we can kind of understand why we are and what we are today. And uh, I, I think finding that first domino really kind of helps us figure out how to, for lack of a better metaphor, pick up the pieces.
0: When I heard this this morning, when I was like getting it ready to play, I teared up a little bit when she was talking about the inner child.
1: Yeah, that was one thing that I. And, took note
0: of. you know, becoming the inner child versus protecting the inner child. I feel mm-hmm. like I am constantly reverting back to becoming the inner child. Every time I yeah. go through something difficult, um, the holidays are a great example because I, I spend a lot of time with family and tempers are high and everyone's busy and stressed. And I do trigger myself a lot. And in those moments, it's it's easy for me to think like, am I relapsing? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it, it really hit me hard because I, I, I feel really kind of ripped off When I think about my childhood self, I feel like there's so much that I didn't get to experience because I did have so many responsibilities and, you know, external and internal. I think I I dealt with a lot of things and I was really hurt more than I think I thought I was. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I I have a lot of feelings.
1: Yeah, that that was basically exactly what I was going to say, because I was thinking, like, I know both of us, you know, in some ways, really kind of got cheated out of a childhood or typical one, or getting to be a kid. And yeah, yeah, so I feel like a lot of times that seems to be my solution is I just feel like, well, I just want to experience what I missed. Like, just let let me be childish.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think a lot of my toxic behaviors are me trying to be childish and give up control or numb myself to the feelings Mm -hmm. that come with being an adult in this fucked up world, you know? Sometimes I just... I don't want to get better. I don't want to be more in the world. I want to be less in the world.
1: Yeah. And just before we get too deep um, into the content, I did want to say that we have a lot of Alyssa's voicemails, I know. And even though I have never met her obviously or have no like connection before this because we've had so many like this one started playing and I recognize her voice now I was like oh it's my friend yeah (laughs) tell tell me what you have to say
0: (laughs) I mean I haven't met most of my guests in person I I do consider you all my friends you know (laughs) we love everyone who contributes to this podcast and listens and um, great discussion I really like what she said about destruction as an outlet like recovery for her is just finding another outlet that's not destructive and that's really hard
1: yeah something else that that i really just i don't know kind of sparked some thoughts was her saying that she felt like the eating disorder side robbed her of her sense of humor and (gasps) intelligence
0: that made me cry too dude when she was talking about losing like rediscovering her personality.
1: Yeah. And I've even had a recent conversation with my dietitian, who I've said kind of like doubles as a therapist because she really gets into the hard stuff too with me. And she made some comment where she's like, because I said like, oh, you know, like I'm, I'm not that bad off right now and as much as I have been before because I get through the world just fine. And, you know, like I do a decent job at work. And she's like, basically your brain is working overtime just to like think what it needs to at work right now while still having all of these other thoughts and all this other stuff going on she's just like it could probably be so much less exhausting for you just to get through the work day like you have been if you didn't have all of this additional stuff going on right now that you have to overcome first
0: Mm -hmm. it's like emotional day quill (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're just like slapping a bandaid on to get through the day and to the external world you're functioning.
1: Yeah. And that just when she said that, it just it made me kind of sad. Yeah, to realize like, oh, yeah, you know, that's been my my way of convincing people saying like, yeah, I'm doing pretty well at work. But it's just like, oh, yeah, I am. But it also with everything else going against me, it feels like, um, so to get through the workday, uh, scale this mountain, and by the way, we are also going to make you carry a horse on your back while you do it. <laughs>
0: on Dayquil.
2: Yes.
0: Oh my god, it's so true. And when you define recovery as getting through all that every single day just flawlessly, you're not going to achieve mm-hmm. it. And it doesn't even seem like something that you would want to do necessarily. yeah. Yeah, one reason that I can tell that I am in recovery is that I have a personality again and that I'm starting to access parts of my life that have just been hidden for so many years. Like, I have always been a very creative person and, you know, I think I'm smart and I think I'm funny. Like, But I could never see that when I was sick. I just made my illness my identity. Yeah, We might as well talk about language now. Phrases Mm -hmm. like in recovery versus recovered or recovering. Mm -hmm. I think it's great to be able to say like, I'm a recovering alcoholic. But in the past when I've said that, it doesn't feel really genuine. And also it puts pressure on me to be a recovering alcoholic and make that my identity. And that's not necessarily healthy either.
1: I know, and I started to say this before, I don't mind people that are saying, you know, I am in recovery and recognizing like it's a process and I I feel like I'm in the middle of it. But I do not like the things that are referenced as, you know, like if you see an article that's like getting through the holidays in recovery. I mean, I don't know why that just rubs me the wrong way. It feels the same way as people that are like... (laughs) let me do a recipe blog online where where I talk about my whole life and at the end I put a recipe. <laughs> yeah, it
0: kind of condenses it into this like cheap thing. Cutesy and
1: yeah. That's but, why yeah, but
0: recovery real. <laughs> is, is really messy. It's not attainable by filling out a 10-step checklist. And
1: that's a good point because that's where I feel on the opposite side. Like if somebody just says, yeah, I'm in recovery, that's the first thing I think is like, Oh, God, you are in a sloppy mess of life. I understand.
0: (laughs) I mean, I tell people that I'm in recovery, but I don't always specify from what. Because to me, I'm not just in recovery for alcoholism or in recovery from bulimia. I'm recovering from my life. Like, I'm recovering from everything that I've done up till now that has not worked out for me. I'm just. Oh, that's a good point. <laughs> trying to be better, and so yeah, I, I I like the word recovery in a general sense, but I think uh-huh. once you start, like you said earlier, gatekeeping, uh-huh. it can be kind uh-huh. of messy. Yeah. What do you think <laughs> about the word relapse? Oh,
1: God, I don't even know how to start.
0: First of all, what is a relapse to you?
1: I see recovering versus relapsing as kind of just being like a hill when I felt like I'm recovering, then I'm, you know, like climbing up the hill and, you know, the air is getting cleaner as I keep going up. And when relapsing, it's just like a steady down. It's not saying, you know, like a lapse is just kind of like I'm I'm walking along and suddenly there was this like little dip that I like stepped in and my body just kind of went because <laughs> I stepped lower than I thought, but then I yeah. just keep going. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's kind of how I think of it too. When I was in treatment, it was explained to me Well, first of all, they didn't like to use the word relapse because it it implied completely starting over. Uh, Mm -hmm. I I, I do prefer to use the word lapse because it is like you're on a mountain and you do take a little fall down, but you don't land as low as you started out. Like you land on maybe a little overhang and then you got to climb up a little bit, but you're not at the very bottom. And that's, I think, a way more helpful analogy.
1: I don't feel like a relapse necessarily does mean that you have to start over, but I do feel like it's a continued descent. It is not just, you know, like, oh, God, tonight I went back to this behavior and I realized why I don't like doing that behavior. and <laughs> yeah, I'm going to keep not doing it.
0: You know? I-, I think like if you have enough lapses, it can lead to a relapse. And the way I define a relapse is... Yeah, an extended period where I have a series of lapses and it it doesn't I don't climb back up and it, it it's a pattern. When it becomes a pattern, I think that's when I consider it a relapse.
1: Yeah, or when, you know, like I look at my future like a couple of months out and just think I am going to end up right back where I started.
0: What are some notable relapses from your life that you can think of? Like cuz I know you have been more into recovery in the past than you Mm -hmm. are now. Like, I know there's been times that you've tried, at least tried to fit an external definition of recovery.
1: An interesting thing is I do feel like I don't consider that now because the more honest I am with myself, because I honestly think a lot of the times where I would say, like, yeah, I was in recovery, then I really was just kind of being like, I'm going to be inspiring and talk about how, like, this is hard, but I know how to get through it now. <laughs> you were
0: just like reflecting a picture of what recovery you thought was supposed to look like. Yeah,
1: like I've, I've looked through um, some of my old journals from treatment and particularly the first two times I felt like it was really, you know, just like, I'm trying to avoid triggers, and I'm learning all these new behaviors. And you know, this was a negative, but I'm going to turn it around. And it just—I didn't even realize because I didn't think I thought that way. And I was like, God, I was thinking really flowery.
0: I mean, we all start off thinking that way, I think, Mm -hmm. or at least a lot of us do. I've had a lot of relapses. Like, I've been struggling with bulimia for 15 years, but I haven't been just nonstop binging and purging that whole time. I've Mm -hmm. had. A few months or maybe even a couple years where I was able to abstain from behavior. But I don't really consider myself in recovery then because mm-hmm. I wasn't not trying at it, but I was just focusing on other things in my life. And it just kind of slipped off my radar until the next time I went through a hardship. And then it just that's when I quote unquote, relapsed. Yeah, and that that phase lasted for many years.
1: And actually, going back to something i said earlier the smoking thing <laughs> yeah is i i i feel like i haven't really had sustained recovery or in recovery because I haven't found the right reason. And that is, again, when I look at early treatment things, I'm like, oh, yeah. Because like the first couple times I, as a person, I am very governed by, you know, like wanting to do the right thing and wanting everybody to like me. So I feel like, yeah, that's what I was doing is I was I was sitting down to the meals and I was completing them, not because I had any reason that I wanted to, but because I was like, do I get an A plus?
0: People pleasing Mm -hmm. I I do that too. It's performative. I think if recovery is a performative thing for you, maybe examine why you're doing it and if it's really helping you grow. And I think don't get caught up on labels or what other people are doing. Because if you do that, then you're not going to get very far and you're not going to feel fulfilled enough to stick with it.
1: Yeah, I would almost encourage you to if, if you are feeling it right now I mean preferably if you are getting some sort of help so somebody can, yeah. can kind of like keep tabs on this but I would say like fail as hard as you want to because if you don't then you're kind of just like doing it for show or saying like um I can make this look good for you right now I can, I can be what you want but I, <laughs> if you have some sort of like outside help don't be afraid to just be like you know what, this is what I felt like doing right now. And that is what I did, because that's the only way that they can respond and say, like, what do you need?
0: Yeah, and, and we don't want to enable anyone. Like, obviously, no, if you are... that's why I said, like, don't, yeah,
1: don't, please don't just... Do that.
0: Take this with oh, a God. grain of salt. If you're in danger physically yeah. or, I don't know, if, if you feel like you're in a crisis, you know, don't worry about this whole episode. Like, just go get some help. And yeah. then, you can wor- then you can come back and listen to the recovery episode. But yeah, I totally agree with, like, you have to be in a place where you want it. And sometimes you don't get to that place until you get really bad. Like, sometimes you just have to go off the rails and follow your dark instincts and then you have to get to a point where you're like, this sucks, I'm bored, or I just, I just don't want to live like this anymore. I finally reached a point where I was like, this is so fucking boring and I'm miserable and I kind of want to try out this engaging with life thing and if it sucks, I can always come back here, but I'm not seeing anything good for me in the long run with this.
1: Yeah. And I, I thought of an example to like better explain why I'm not telling people to just kind of like <laughs> go, go do whatever you want. Go hit
0: rock bottom. <laughs> yeah. Another very well, black and white term.
1: Trigger warning here. Going to talk about suicide. But I'm saying like, if you were feeling suicidal, like the encouragement is not saying go give it a try. It's saying call somebody and say, I legit feel like I want to kill myself. Don't call someone and be like, I've been feeling kind of bummed out. Do you have personal experience with this? Be honest. No.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, be honest with other people and with yourself. And that's a great starting point. If you sugarcoat it, they can't totally help you.
1: I think that's the overall takeaway. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's just, it's not a one size fits all. And like, if you're not in recovery, that's okay. You know, maybe you're not there yet. And if you're in recovery, but you feel like you're not doing well enough, trust me, you are. Just the fact that you got up and you decided to try a little better, like that's enough. Give yourself a pat on the back right now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, if you're listening, I feel like you at least are aware that, you know, it might be something that you would like to aspire to at some point, but you don't need to force it because if it's forced, it's not going to take hold.
0: If all you can do is harm reduction, baby, that's rad. Meet yourself where you are. Yep. Uh, but yeah, that was our pickle pull episode. The last pickle pull episode of 2022. Yeah. Um, uh, I can't think of a segue
1: next week. We'll do another episode. (laughs)
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We'll be back next episode with a topic of my choosing and we can't wait. In the meantime, go follow us on social media and
1: prepare for two weeks when we see us in
0: person. <laughs> yes. So this is the time to follow us. So you're here for the mm-hmm. shit show. Absolutely. <laughs> We're on Instagram at Pickles and Vodka Podcast.
1: We have a Twitter that I really keep meaning to start up again, which is Pickles Vodka. No and.
0: We are on Facebook, Pickles and Vodka, a mental health podcast. If you want to follow our personal Instagrams, I am at Ex Jumper. And my dog is at
1: at P-I-C-O-S-A-U-V-E. And that is really the only place that I look at Instagram anymore. So it's me.
0: But yeah, we'll see you next week. Everyone stay safe. Yes. Bye. Bye. Bye.